Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I'm getting a little uh, message here on my screen. So. You are. I don't have any message. Hmm. It says the broadcast was deleted on Facebook, one of the Facebooks. Uh, try creating before. a new. Um, I've had that happen to me before when I filled in for you. So, and it turns out then somewhere in there, it gets back on Facebook. So I think the easiest thing is just to keep moving forward. If they're not able to see it on Facebook, maybe um, they'll can't be able to catch it later. So. Well, let's watch Bill okay. Reed. Good morning. Lily, why, why, why don't you talk about the uh, 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 irrigation while I sit here and try to uh read what the heck is going on and fix things here <laughs> good morning everybody i'm lily browning i'm from hernando county utilities i've been gone for a few weeks um but i finally decided to come to come back and um co-host here with dr lester bill lester from um university of florida ifis at hernando county the extension office um, I brought my friend today. Uh, there she is. Jane's saying hi over there. You see her? <laughs> and um, Bill is trying to figure out uh, how to help the people on Facebook. Good morning, Lee. We were talking about you before we went on the air. We were talking about your leaf cutter <laughs> bees, actually, um, that I missed last week. But I did kind of see them because I tuned in um, from Pennsylvania at least the last half of it or so. Um, so while Bill is playing around there. I'm, I'm getting going, there. I'm getting closer. <laughs> I'm going to share something with you, hopefully. Let's see if this works. Uh oh, never works that way. Let's see. There we go. Can you see that, Bill? No, I can't. All right. I just see the two of us. Try it again share pull this up okay let's see uh share screen share screen it only ever wants to show uh what's online okay we're having some technical difficulties it must be a halloween episode or something it must be <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it this way. Hey, it looks like yeah. we're live on all the different channels that we should be live on. So okay. Super. Share. <laughs> Share screen. Share screen. You can't see that, can you? No, ma'am. All right. Well, well, we'll just talk about it then. Um, watering restrictions here in Hernando County. Um, I've been getting phone calls since I've been back. Um, and it seems like everybody, you know, you can tell when you get phone calls, you know, throughout the days where everyone sounds kind of like they've all spoken to the same person, where they all have like the same question or the same, and they are all kind of, I want to, I don't want to, uh, they're kind of accusatory maybe is the word saying, you know, answer the phone and they'd be like, are we still in a drought? 
and I'm not sure where that is coming from. We have not been in drought conditions for several years, but I know what they're asking. Really, they're asking, why are we on one day a week watering? They still have in their mind, someone is out there telling them um, that the county is forcing them to be on one day a week watering because the county says we're in a drought. No, the county doesn't say we're in a drought. And in fact, we don't ever say we're in a drought until the water management district tells us we are under drought conditions. Um, but we are under one day a week watering forever. That is our state of being. And um, it depends on your address uh, when your watering day is. And like I said, I couldn't pull that up. I don't know how to work with this, uh, with this particular format here. Um, if your address ends in zero or one, it's Monday, um, two or three, it's Tuesday, kind of goes on from there. For those folks who are listening from Hernando County, and you may water um, before 6 a.m. or, I'm sorry, before 8 a.m. <laughs> or after 6 p.m., when would you suggest watering, Dr. Lester, if given those time frames? As close to before sunrise as you can. Perfect. There so go. you need to figure how long does it take to run all your zones, the whole thing, zone one, two, three, however many zones you have, how long does the whole thing take? And then move, sit there and look at the clock and move back from 8 a.m.? Or I would do back from 7.30 because I don't want to be one and code enforcement drives by and sees it's still running. You know, you want to I, We knew call. somebody. Remember, we oh, went she, and visited um, a home where she got caught at 8.15. And it was because she hadn't changed her clock when the time changed. Time change. Yep. Time change catches yeah. everybody, I think. And I just also want to remind everyone, especially for those um, who are moving in and around what I think is the um, most popular growing area in Hernando County, where I happen to live in the Royal Highlands. We all have wells. Are we under watering restrictions, Dr. Lester, with our private wells? Yes, everybody is, no matter where everybody. you get your water from. If you have a uh, in-ground irrigation system, you are under watering restrictions. Exactly. And then some people who are very, very diligent, um, they kind of take it more extreme than it needs to be. You just reminded me when you said that these watering restrictions are for an automatic irrigation system watering your lawn. You can stand with a hose in your hand watering your flower beds you know, pretty much at any time. You can use micro irrigation. You can use a soaker hose on those bedding areas. You are allowed to water your vegetable garden as necessary. So this is for an automatic irrigation system or even a hose and sprinkler irrigation system watering your lawn. Um, and even if you have a private well, you're under the same watering restrictions. Why? because we're all taking it from the same place, the Floridan aquifer. And as I have explained in classes before, if um, everyone on our municipal system, you know, decided, well, it's Monday, I think I'll 
I feel like watering today. <laughs> and then everyone with a private well also did the same thing. That's going to be a lot of stress and a lot of draining of our aquifers. So what we're trying to do is kind of equal out when the, you know, it's when the water is being taken out of the aquifer as best as we can. And with saying that, I do have um, someone who just stopped by and they said they were going to stop by and see me, but they need to, they need to get going. It's actually a coworker, but they have a question and they brought a sample in. Um, and all that she told me is she has a tree gone bad. I haven't really got to uh, uh, notice it or pay attention to it. So um, do you have your sample ready? Let's, Let's let her get it together. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what do you think we need to do about that tree gone bad, Dr. Lester? I say that one, you need to give it the axe. Give it the axe. Oh, no, I don't know. I'd be afraid of it. <laughs> Thank you, Rini. <laughs> Give it the axe. That's what our master gardener, Nikki, used to tell people a lot with trees. <laughs> oh, just give it the axe. <laughs> he says a lot of other that. things. He says a lot of other scary things, too, but <laughs> just let it go with that. They think he's threatens to crush your skull and all kind of. <laughs> so See, we Bill, have I, a always, I always find some way to surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could tell Halloween is one of your favorite holidays. <laughs> so we have a question. Any suggestions for a flowering perennial? That is good in full sun to go around a small tree in a ring. Well, there are several things to unpack there. Mm -hmm. um, the small tree is going to one day be a big tree and you won't be in full sun. Um, but also. And that depends on what kind of tree it is. If it's a small oak tree, yeah, it's going to get bigger. Mm -hmm. Small crepe myrtle that's the right variety that doesn't get a whole lot bigger than it is. I mean, there we do have some smaller trees. But I, so I would also be careful um, how much soil, how much mulch. Don't create a flower bed per se, a very thick flower bed around that tree. That's not going to be good for that tree. People do that all the time, and that would be the same as the volcano mulching around the tree. Not to say it can't be done if it's done properly. Um, if it's in a lot of full sun, see, if it's an oak, it's going to, it depends on how long you want the flowers to be there. As the oak gets bigger, like this guy I'm looking at that I just showed you, <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to be shadier around there. So if you want to start while you have sun with something like June sunflower, you have to have a short rooted thing because that oak is going to have some major roots. It's also going to get kind of compacted. So it's going to be very difficult to keep it up long term. Um, yeah, something like dune sunflower, 
I'd look at lantanas. They tend not the invasive lantana, but a domesticated lantana or the native one. They tend to stay fairly small, small root system, or blue days. Blue days mm -hmm. is another perennial that does well. Mm -hmm. um, I have one. Yeah, once the oak gets bigger and older and makes it shadier underneath, caladiums. There Just get go. some caladium bulbs and stick them under there. Right. But what you don't want to do and that we have seen done is some people even go so far as to build a uh, um, raised bed or even a bench that they turn into a raised bed surrounding yeah. that poor tree. Looks great, but that is not good for that tree. Yeah, you don't want to bring in a bunch of extra soil and pile it up on top of the tree's roots just so that you can plant flowers in it. That's going to be very, very bad for the tree long term. Mm -hmm. But for um, right now, caladiums, you might want to throw in some impatience with it as well. Yeah. Caladiums and impatience do great in the shade. Mm -hmm. Some gingers, um, the small gingers, the uh, peacock ginger. Do great too. Almost looks like those praying hands, you know, that house plant. Okay, Lily, I have a I have a question for you. <laughs> you always have a question for me when you don't know the answer. <laughs> okay. Tari, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, says, Good morning. I planted native coral honeysuckle last year and it suddenly started dying back. It is not in full sun, but did well enough until a few weeks back. Any suggestions or thoughts on what might be happening and how we can nurse it back? Um, I know coral honeysuckle is generally a full sun kind of plant. It's going to do best yeah. in full sun. Does it go back um, for the season? Is it going back because the uh, days are getting shorter? Could be. I have to ask someone who actually has some coral honeysuckle. Um, I've been needing to get some. I don't have any. So I don't know if they're probably depending on where they are, if they're just going to keep on going all year long or if they kind of, um, you know, take a rest during this time. I know um, while I was gone, I was gone, I don't know, approximately 11 days, maybe longer. It did not rain at all while I was gone. I'm very disappointed in you, Bill, that you did not have you know have it rain at least once or twice while I was gone. You were supposed to keep an eye on that. And no, it's it's been dry until today, really. Yeah. Um. So my wildflowers, they were showing it when I got back, but some of them were already going to be you know done for the season. I had those beautiful volunteer zinnias. Um, just come up on their own in my front bed and obviously not on their own. I must have thrown the seeds there at some point. Um, they were fried when I got back. But the other, you know, the salvias, um, because they're kind of more dry tolerant, um, they were doing a lot better, the sages. But what I have in the, my back bed um, some of the, uh, you know, the uh, Gallardia is on its way out, and that's fine. It's supposed to be doing that, and I'm letting it just reseed itself all over. 
But what's coming up now is my narrow leaf sunflower is coming up like gangbusters. Looks it's perfect for this time of year because the actual plants look a little bit like cousin it. <laughs> and then they have there it's also called swamp sunflower, although mine isn't in a very wet area. And they're just busting with all their yellow blooms. So that's one you know thing you can do in your garden and what we always encourage is make sure you've got something that you know it's their turn to come on stage and do their show while somebody else you know takes a rest well i checked and coral honeysuckle vines in central and south florida are generally evergreen which means they're not going to drop their leaves in north florida they generally drop their leaves, but they survive the winter and then they perk up and start to grow again and leaf out again in the spring. So it depends on exactly where you live. Cause even, you know, when you say central Florida, Ocala is central Florida. Kissimmee yeah, is central Florida. And there's you know, quite a bit of difference there. So it depends on exactly where you live, whether it's gonna drop all its leaves, a few leaves, but I think if there's any way that you could move it to more of a full sun location long-term, it's going to do the best. Because once they get going, once you plant one and it's going and established, very, very low maintenance. It, it, mm -hmm. You know, you, you might have to prune it. You're going to have to clean it up in the spring. It's going to look rough after a long, cold winter. But other than that, a very low maintenance, carefree kind of plant. And our plants underneath oak trees question asker says, thanks. I love caladiums. I do oh too. Gosh, there's like hundreds of different kinds of caladiums you can get too. And you plant them once and they come up in the spring and they look pretty. They, they really brighten up a shady area. Mm -hmm. The fall, they go away. They disappear for the winter. You never have to do anything to them. They completely take care of themselves. And eventually, as the oak gets bigger, you might want to consider um, some azaleas to put under there. But wait until the oak is a good size. Don't make it a competition between the two. Yeah, yeah, because it's hard to get. I get a lot of questions with azaleas. And what usually is the issue, is this a new house? They have azaleas planted up against the house as a foundation planting. And might be on the east side or the south side of the house. Azaleas don't like a lot of sun. And, you know, they keep coming out with these new varieties and types of azaleas. They say that they tolerate more sun or full sun. Tolerate just means that it dies slower. Yeah. They're never going to well, thrive. And I, I ask people. That they do, um, you still need to put them in the shade. What I notice that they do is that they just bloom all year rather than just in February and March you know but yeah they still need the same kind of conditions um my son in one of his houses in virginia has some dwarf ones that they put as a foundation plant in front of their house and those things just bloom all the time but their neighbor has a massively huge oak trees so, you know they're, they're getting some good shade there so are we falling apart there bill yeah, yeah, we're just having a tough time here today with the technology, I guess. 
we're on now. We're on. So if you have any questions, go ahead and post them, and we're happy to answer them. Let me let me plug my computer in here. <laughs> Poor Bill is having a. I'm glad I came back. <laughs> I know. We're gonna carry you know, this thing for you. <laughs> my office. We we weren't. We actually had to cancel an episode a few weeks ago because my work laptop died. Oh, no. And they came out and looked at it. And it wasn't our regular IT person because he was on vacation, of course. He was from the southwest Florida part. Great guy. Came up here like the next day and looked at it. Has a burned out board. Has to be replaced. The uh, Hewlett Packard technician has to come in and do it. But the part's out of stock. So okay. every three days, they send me an email saying it's still out of stock. We're still looking. Yeah. Still out of stock. We're still looking. I don't know it whether it's all kind of interesting things we have to put up with with whatever's going on and the broken link in the supply chain. I'm not an expert, but I'm fairly confident. <laughs> Given my travels up and down the East Coast via vehicle, that it's not in the trucks. <laughs> because there's still plenty out there. <laughs> so. Not sure what what was what's going on there, but there are interesting things we do have to wait for. Even things I think I told you a few weeks ago, like mulch. Um, we tried to get like a truckload of pine bark mulch, my husband and I, and we're told uh, that the storms and stuff that went through Mississippi and Louisiana, where a lot of it's coming from, um, that the the mulch and the trees weren't accessible. But I think it was also a staffing issue, probably a combination of those things. So with what we were doing, we were actually just kind of widening a little space beyond our driveway. And we ended up just using rock um, because, yeah, because it's not a plant bed. It's just to park a car on. So Yeah, we had issues a while back with black plastic one-gallon pots at the nursery. They said, if you pay in advance... You go to the front of the line, you'll have them within 30 days. Otherwise, it might take a few months. So we paid in advance and got them. And then last spring, there was a shortage of Bahia grass seeds. They're hard to find. And I, I don't know why. I don't know, but I paid $70 for a 10-pound bag. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. No. And as I was just, I have been kind of counseling someone who's been emailing me, um, who wants to put down seed and I'm trying to let them know that if weeds are their concern, they really need to go with sod. And I said, though, yeah. at this point, I'm not sure the sod is any more expensive than the seed because the seed is pretty expensive right now. So. Yeah. Sod I'm sure is expensive with sod when we're going through a housing boom and they're building a lot of new houses and subdivisions, there's a lot of competition for that sod and a big developer who says, I need X number, uh, a huge number of pallets of sod. They tend to go first. So it becomes really difficult for a homeowner. If you just need three pallets of sod, it gets really hard to find and starts to get really expensive also. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if, She's concerned about weed encroachment. 
it's hard to have the hair grass and not have weeds. Bill and I both know that. And we just live with the weeds and mow them. But you can't seed Bahia in and expect the Bahia to come up before the weeds. It's just not going to happen. So that's yeah, why. Yeah, because the Bahia comes up and the weeds come up too. And now you yeah. have a mixture. And unless mm -hmm. you're going to go out there and diligently get on your hands and knees to start plucking those weeds up, it's really difficult to do anything about the weeds and still encourage the Bahia to come up and go. Right. So speaking of weeds, we had a great class. What day was that? Tuesday, apparently. That Tuesday. And you, Bill, I'll take the credit for what you set up at any time. <laughs> <laughs> All I did was show up and host it because Bill couldn't be there. Yeah, no, I've been planning it and promoting it for quite some time. And we were looking at getting a really great turnout. And at the last moment, I got called away to a meeting that I absolutely had to attend. And Lily and Teresa, who is here at our office, were kind enough to step in and manage everything. And apparently, it went very well. Good. The recording, it was recorded. And I emailed everybody who registered for that class. All probably 350 people registered for it, I think. It was really great. I emailed all them the link. So if you missed a class or if you want to watch it again or 10 times or look at it and take notes, you I can. I think you need to it's watch it several times. I mean, I couldn't concentrate as much as I wanted because I was watching for nefarious folks for you. <laughs> there was, we've been having more of that and had have one, we have one gentleman. I was keeping my eye on him and then he, we have it kind of locked down. They really can't do anything but chat with the host. And then he asked me for the meeting ID. I'm not even sure what that meant, why he wanted it, whatever. So, boom, he was gone. And <laughs> I have such power. But, but we do need to keep an eye on those things. But I did pick up some great, I, I, you know, ideas from him. And I love some of his sayings that no weed has ever developed a resistance to hand pulling. And that's like, yeah, I did see that Cindy was there. And I think I told you that a lot of our regulars were there and Cindy was one of them. See, we talk about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't even know. Um, um, and, and the other thing that really stuck with me is that, well, he said hates, but you know, the, the general term is nature abhors a void. And that's what we're talking about even with that Bahia grass. If there's a void, if there's an empty space, Nature's going to fill it and probably with what we consider weeds. So his idea. Yeah, you need, you need to have a plan. I talk to people and they say, my lawn is like half weeds. How do I get rid of them? And I say, well, there are products that you can put down. And if you get lucky, it's going to work well. Uh, but if you put something down and it works well and kills all the weeds, what are you going to have? say spaces yeah, my yard is going to be bare dirt okay what's going to come up there weeds what do you do you're just going to keep that cycle going over and over i kill the weeds and now i have bare dirt i have weeds fill back in i kill the weeds i have weeds fill back in that's that's the crazy circle don't get on the crazy circle yeah so have a plan have a plan for resodding it putting down seed putting down a ground cover or expanding a flower bed, whatever it might be, people, and we are not anti-chemical, 
but people just think that you know certain chemicals are going to come solve all the problems when it can, it's a part of it you have to have a good plan right and chemicals can help and a strong back sometimes can help mm-hmm. and having working with good professionals can help but it's going to take a lot of different steps you can't just go to the store and buy a bottle of something and that's going to cure all your problems not quite that simple unfortunately no we want simple answers and there isn't or you could the simple answer is let it be (laughs) (laughs) unless it's an invasive exotic weed you know what weeds i don't have any problem with weeds in my yard let them be there (laughs) except for bermuda grass and flower beds (laughs) and that's another thing he pointed out the bermuda grass can spread by seed um, stolens or cuttings. And I was like, well, no wonder there's such an issue for me. It's like when they have that many ways of propagating themselves. Also, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud. I had no idea that crabgrass had seeds. <laughs> he mentioned that too. I thought it just spread by the runners. No, it said seeds. And pre-emergence can be pretty effective with it. Not 100%. Like I said, there are no magic cures for anything. But pre-emergence can work with crabgrass and some other things. I see uh, Sydney's asking something about sand spurs. I think pre-emergence can help with sand spurs. Well, Cindy, Uh, um, she says you have little birds (sighs) all over you. You'll know if they're sand spurs they hurt oh, yeah. <laughs> if you try to pull them <clears throat> off they will hurt if it's something that doesn't hurt very much then it's just um some other kind of you know burr type um grassy weed people get very often they get sedges confused with sand spurs because those globular fruiting bodies look the same but you can touch a sedge spur looking thing and it not hurt <clears throat> you at all Leave me sand spur, you'll know. Try to pick it out of your dog's hair, <laughs> you'll know. Um, they actually hurt. And that is one I do work on pulling the sand, you know, as soon as they're showing. Also, sedges are darker green, but they're more like an umbrella with all those little globular, globular um, fruiting bodies on it. A sand spur has a straight line of them. My husband can tell you about that, the native Floridian. They would go really, really, really tall in the fields, and those kids would use them as wits on each other. It's horrible. <laughs> um, I do, when I see the sand spurs starting to get those burrs, I really do pull those wherever I can find them. Little flat things, the weed looks like a star, then that's something, that's something else. Um, Hitchhikers, what we call those. Yeah, yeah. Could also, oh, little daisies. We know what she has, Bill. You have Spanish needle. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Biden. yeah. Biden's Alba. Those will put those two things on you, those sticky things that are like all in a line, mm. or it'll stick like little straight sticker things, but they don't hurt. They're just annoying. Um, yeah, they just get stuck on your clothes and on your pets, but they don't—they're not going to poke you or damage you. 
Spanish needle. Correct. That is what it's called. I yeah. don't yeah, know that's why. That's a common name. Um, that's the plant that I have a love hate relationship with because it is it it's it's a native. Let's put that out there. It's a native weed. Um, pollinators absolutely adore it. Therefore, I have a hard time getting rid of it. But if it's somewhere where you're going to brush up against it, especially this time of year, or your dog is, you know, then it's going to be a pain to have all those all over you. Remember, I sent you those pictures, Bill, of the Dutchman's pipe to see if they were, it's the invasive type or not? Yes. Growing on my crepe myrtle, which is very close to some Biden's alba, the Spanish needle. Um, in, in so doing, I had the stickers and stuff all over me. So. Yeah, those plants set a lot of seeds this time of year, you know, like late, very, very late summer, early fall. I have them in my backyard. I have a love-hate relationship with all, them also. This time of year, all you have to do is brush up against it, and you have a million of those seeds all over your arm. Beekeepers love it, though. Um, yeah, it's I'm a very sure important food source for honeybees and other pollinators, especially, you know, this time of year when there's not a whole lot else flowering. So bees love it. See, here's the name. I'll explain the Latin name. By means to dens, like dentures, dental teeth. So the flowers have like two little, um, you know, each petal looks like a little tooth. Two teeth, alba means white. There's your explanation of the, the Latin name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But it is uh, in the daisy family. I'm sure it's a composite. It has a composite flower. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a large patch of them during the summer, you could just pull up a chair and sit there and look at bees and flies and butterflies and pollinators all day long. You want pictures of pollinators, have that Biden's Alba. If you're a photographer, get a tripod and find a patch of Biden's Alba. And you can sit there and get pictures all day long if you want. Mm -hmm. Every all the all the insects and pollinators love it. Last year when I was finally gonna clean it up, that because it gets in my front bed, um gonna clean it all out knowing I wasn't going to eradicate it. It was going to come back. But oh sure, those those seeds. To do that because it was looking ugly and dried out and you know dead for the season, and out hops a bunny where I was doing it, and I thought she's got a nest in here, <laughs> therefore I couldn't remove Kinda them. Stay. Yeah, so great wildlife value. <laughs> I can't tell you that. So, if anybody's wondering what the heck is this picture that I've had up here on the screen for a while, um, last week when you weren't here with us, Lily, uh, Lee asked questions and sent pictures of her pole bean plants, and she thought that she had leaf cutter bees that were damaging the plant. And leaf cutter bees are a native species of bees, and they come along and they'll cut circles off of leaves in your garden. And they take the leaves back to their nest and they use that in making their nest. So they don't eat the leaves. It's construction material, basically. But leafcutter bees will cut a nice, perfectly circular little hole on a leaf and take it away with them. I've never seen them in the wild. And I've really 
maybe I see the damage once where it could have been leaf cutter bees. You know, I wasn't really positive. But here, um, Lee sent a, emailed me a picture this week of a sugar apple, and she lives down in Broward County, so it's more South Florida than it is here. And yeah, that looks like leaf cutter bee damage because other insects that would chew holes in a leaf, let's say a caterpillar or a beetle or a grasshopper, are not very neat. They're not going to do it in a perfect circle. They're just going to eat starting from the edge, moving towards the middle, maybe start in the middle. They just make a mess. They're they just going to eat, eat like the leaf up and poop all over the place. But leafcutter bees cut that nice circle, and they make their nests inside of, like, they're one of the um, cavity nesters that will nest inside of a piece of bamboo. Mm -hmm. So think they have a long, skinny bamboo or straw they live in, and the circular leaf, when they take it in, they bend it. And I've seen pictures of their nest, like a cutaway side view of it. And they need neat, round pieces of leaf. So that's why they do it so carefully. They're the and OCD of the insect world. <laughs> exactly. They're the OCD. Caterpillars and stuff, they're slobs. They're just going to chomp away and poop all over the place and damage the leaves that way. So this does not look like caterpillar damage. Pretty cool. So yeah, and I've, I've never noticed, I've never seen a leaf cutter bee that I know of in the wild and rarely see the damage. I wouldn't think that they would be really a serious pest. More of an interest but, than anything. Yeah, a short-term, a short-term novelty kind of pest. So see, Lee, you're lucky in your neighborhood. You have leaf cutter bees, so you're you're a lucky person. Mm -hmm. Those are lucky circles missing out of your leaves now. <laughs> Although I'm sure there's places online you can turn them in and say it's some kind of alien activity. If you <laughs> crop circles. So see, Cindy has a. A love-hate relationship with the Bidens all See, balls. He only had the hate at first, and now we've made her love them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for anybody who has a large um, butterfly garden or a pollinator garden or wildlife garden or wildlife area of your property, leaving a small patch of them would probably be a fantastic idea. And I've done mm -hmm. that on purpose before. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful because if you just let them go, oh, they'll go and they'll just they'll just go wild and they'll cover everything. You have to keep oh, yeah. them restrained. But having some is a great addition to your property. And like the um, fog fruit in my backyard. Oh, my gosh, I still have butterflies out there. The sure. white peacock. Yes. Not and as there's many, nothing. Um, there's no bad side to the frog fruit. <laughs> Unlike the. No. I walk out there, I think yesterday I saw maybe 10 at a time. A few weeks ago, I walk outside, there'd be 30 at a time. All just flying yeah. around, circling yeah. around. It's like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it on purpose. It just it just happened. Me too, yeah. So nature knows what it's doing. See, nature abhors a void. And a lot of times, we might be annoyed that it fills, fills it with quote, quote, weeds. But I have all kinds of classes. If you go back to my on Hernando County Government YouTube, where we talk about weeds as wildflowers, we talk about um, 
I don't remember now the name of it, but weeds, what, what the weeds are trying to tell you about your yard. The other about thing the soil, Dr. soil conditions. Yes. The other thing that Dr. Marble pointed out was that weeds are always the right plant in the right place, meaning they're only going to grow. <laughs> <coughs> See, Lily, you get credit for that one, too. <laughs> um, uh, that weeds will they have something to tell you they're always the right plant in the right place because they're always going to grow in certain conditions <laughs> so those conditions will tell you oh this kind of weed grows where it's really shady i need to think about shady plants to put there this kind of weed grows where there is you know not a lot of nitrogen you know it, it is interesting how and we, we do have a class out there on that too. The weeds know where to grow. So start communicating with your weeds rather than just trying to get annoyed and eradicate by them. See what they're trying to tell you because nature abhors a void and it's gonna fill it, but it's gonna fill it with what is right for those site conditions. So. Yep, and it's usually gonna fill in pretty quickly because there's a little thing in your yard in your soil, no matter where you look on your property, called a weed seed bank. <laughs> Think of it like your little bank savings account. And over time, weeds will grow, they flower, they make seeds, they blow in the wind. So maybe the weed didn't even grow in your yard. It blew there from an empty field or a neighbor's house. But weed seeds get around and they'll lay dormant in your soil until the conditions are just right. And a lot of them need a little bit of sunlight to germinate. That triggers them to germinate. So these weed seeds can sit four inches deep for years oh, sure. and are still alive. When you turn over the soil in your flower garden, your vegetable garden, or even if you're going to resod your yard, turn mm -hmm. the soil over. You bring all those weed seeds up out of your savings account. They and get a they little flash light. <laughs> and boom, they all germinate. Uh -huh. And if you do that again, boom, more are going to germinate. So the seeds are there already. Don't think that there's no weed seeds out there and you can somehow protect your garden from them. They're already there. There Just are stories the out there. I can't verify their, um, how true they are, but it seems like fairly reasonable that, you know, in Europe, after World War II, when um, buildings were bombed and stuff and knocked out, that wildflowers came up that they hadn't seen in a hundred years so you know those seeds will hang on if, if that's going to happen just think of your regular weed seeds in your yard that's what i told the first the people i've been emailing with about replacing their rahea grass just i told them you're not eligible for a variance on the watering restrictions just from overseeding and the only way you can do that is if you take it down to bare ground and then they were telling me about different weeds they had. So I warned them, if you till it up, <laughs> you're going to have a fantastic amount of weeds. Because so. you have a whole stash in your yard underneath the ground. They're down there. Now, what really helps long-term managing your yard, if you keep on top of the weeds and pull them up before they flower and set seeds, 
you will at least quit making extra deposits in your weed seed mm -hmm. account. If you let a lot of weeds get really big and flower and set seeds, you're just adding to your account. And now you're going to have even more potential seeds. I know small growers that make that mistake. Uh, they, let, they let the weeds get out of control and they have their fields where they're growing stuff and the weeds nearby. It's like, oh, you're adding to your weed problem. If you keep on top of them, the problem will decrease, but it never goes away. One way that knocks it down back for a while is if you clear cut an entire property to build a house and put tons and tons and tons of fill dirt on top of that that is completely sterile where hardly anything wants to grow uh -huh. and then throw turf on top of it. But what is amazing is those weeds will find a way even through that stuff. So. Yeah, and if you clear and bring in fill dirt and they dump it, now you may have air potato vine or, or other invasive plants or trees. Yeah, right. we, we saw that happen where they they dumped some fill dirt recently. It's like, oh, there's air potato vine popping up now. It was in the fill dirt. So, yes. so hey well, guys, if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the comments. Um, I need to avoid Broward County. Is that where Lee is? <laughs> Don't head south, <laughs> or I'm going to be pulling a lot of weeds in her house. <laughs> and Cindy, I do want to assure you, one day, you will find a sand spur, and you will say, "Ah, yeah, that's a sand spur." <laughs> yeah, and we got a few questions about sand spurs here at the office recently. So, very quickly, how you want to deal with sand spurs, how you don't want to deal with them is have them come up in your yard. They grow off because they pop, they emerge, they sprout and come up in the spring, grow all summer long. They flower, very, very small flowers, but they do flower. And then late in the summer, they set the seeds, the little spurs, the little pointy things. If you step on them in your barefoot, it hurts and it sticks in you. The way you don't want to deal with it is start thinking about them or calling us up and asking us what to do about them now. This is not the time of the year to deal with them. Track back, if you go all the way back to spring, if you have a lot of sand spurs, you could try putting down a pre-emergent herbicide. There's a number of them that are going to work and help reduce the number of sand spurs that come up. And I've talked to people who said they diligently went out there and hand-pulled them out of their yard starting in the spring when they first come up when they're little before they flower before they make the little sharp sand spurs and they diligently pick them up and i've talked to several people that says it takes about two years i got rid of all of them and you're not going to get that kind of success with just spraying chemicals it's probably going to take some manual physical labor too but probably if you combine a pre-emergent and physical removal, learn what they look like, go out there in the spring, pull up as many as you possibly can, you're gonna see the number of sand spurs go down. But if you call us and say, what do I spray on them right now on October 28th to make them go away and deal with them, this is not the time of the year to control them. Too late. What about the idea of dragging a carpet behind your lawnmower or blanket to try and catch them? That should help. That does make sense. 
that will be a physical control and it's obviously not going to hurt anything if it doesn't work really well if you yeah, only get a carpet remnant of your riding mower or maybe even just walk around with it depending yeah. on the size of the yard you have upside down so that the carpet part is catching them and then use it as a torture device no <laughs> make sure your trash people are aware uh you know how dangerous that piece of carpet is too yeah, because every sand spur that you get up is one less sand spur plant that's potentially going to sprout and grow next year. So it, believe it or not, it is one of those things that you can overcome. And I've talked to people who have been successful with it. It's going to take some work and you have to start early. So this is the time of year when you know if you have a problem or not. Mm -hmm. so they also, it's not always that you'll just step on them with your bare feet. It's they'll get in your pants up in the folds and stuff and you'll be like what's irritating my leg and pull it up you'll find one there i'd love to get in your dog's hair and you trying to pull it out both you and your dog will have such a marvelous time <laughs> i should cut them out <laughs> yeah and cindy said previous owners uh put landscaping stones in all the beds and when she moved in, she let everything grow a little bit before removing the stones. Yeah, I mean, when you buy a new house, move to a new property, there's all kinds of surprises there. Who knows what's there? And we get photos and questions and calls, and there's some pretty amazing things will pop up in people's yards. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh, I should have taken a picture. Right before I left, I had a surprise up in my flower bed. So it's not too sad that I knew the zinnias that came up as a surprise would just be an annual. I didn't know what it was, but I was watching it and I was asking it, are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? <laughs> and when it got to a certain size, <clears throat> um, I was able to get some help to ID it. It's a native poinsettia in the Forbiaceae family coming mm -hmm. up. Um, now I forgot the name of it. Red red leaf, something like that. Is it the native poinsettia? Yeah. That has green Little leaves, but it has red. a splash of red on it. Yeah, um, if you if you use your imagination, it's it's similar to a, a traditional <laughs> poinsettia. Right. Well, it was, it was before those, probably. So I'll get a picture and show you next week. Okay. Yeah. So it's still there because it's a good guy. Oh, yeah. Um, things have to be pretty bad before I actually take the time and effort to actually pull them up. We had our air conditioning system broke a few weeks ago. That last week when it was really hot, unusually hot, record-breaking heat. But we survived until they brought all the equipment out. <laughs> I had an air potato vine that was growing behind the air conditioning, the outdoor unit. And For scientific they had purposes, huh? They kill. I, I got to take a picture of it. They killed it to remove the old compressor and put the new one in. But I know it's still underground, so it'll. I'm seeing. No, the interesting part will be you see if it comes back. It will. Yeah. It's there for scientific purposes, right? Research. <laughs> yeah, it got and you know it got pretty big, and last year it got air potato beetles very early. And this year, mine didn't get any air potato beetles at all. 
in my neighborhood i noticed that they were late showing up and what we think happened because keep in mind that's the idea behind um let me go ahead and put that on the screen if you're interested in air potato or air potato beetles if you go to our website airpotatobeetle.com we have a citizen science program the air potato patrol and that's one of the questions that there we're always looking to answer is what how come the beetles come back really well one year and not as well the next year what uh what influences them what impacts them and this year you know what probably did it dry spring Mm -hmm. We had a very, very dry spring. Wet springs really favor air potato vines. They love it. And the beetles, when the first ones emerge, they go like, oh, the vines are growing. I'm going to feed on them, and I'm going to lay lots of eggs. And that's how they all get really started. They got a late start because of the dry spring, probably, but we're still trying to document that. And it probably also relates to, I did not notice very many love bugs at all in September. Yes, because they grow the immature ones in wet, grassy areas, mm -hmm. damp, grassy areas. Mm -hmm. So dry periods are going to not favor them. What else do I have to show here? Our Master Gardener Nursery. They are back on their wintertime hours, so they are open every Wednesday and Saturday from nine in the morning until noon now that it's not 120 degrees outside every day and they have a great selection of florida native plants florida friendly plants they're very careful to not be selling any invasive plants or things that are not going to do well here in central florida we try to stay away from no apples and uh, South Florida palms and things that are beautiful plants, but okay. are probably not going to do well here. They're probably either going to burn up in the summer or they're going to freeze in the winter. So, I brought home some beautiful hydrangeas from Pennsylvania. They <gasps> oh, were how do you think they're going to do? They're going to do just fine because they're just the flowers and they're <laughs> dried. <laughs> I put them like in oh, okay. a picture okay. on my table. <laughs> so. So if you had hydrangeas from up north, the plants, they're going to get fungus. They're going to get a lot of leaf spot fungus. They're going to get probably Cercospora. That's kind of a purplish spots on the leaves. They don't do well here. Now, oak leaf hydrangea, the native, does fine. Um, but not your they French. Can be a little, you have to put them in the French right spot. The oak leaf yeah. hydrangeas, you have to put in the right spot. They could be a little shade. difficult to establish. Yeah, shade. Um, but the hydrangeas, the northern ones with the big, what would that be? Puffball looking flowers. Newball bushes is what they call them up there. Yeah, sorry, they don't grow here. <laughs> sorry. I don't, I don't make the rules. <laughs> one of the places i was was at an airbnb uh, on eight acres mostly in the woods in tennessee and i saw that there were red buds baby red bud trees all over the place it'd be interesting to see to go back in spring and see if they're blooming and how well they're doing because they're not they don't do they used to do well here in hernando county 
And I think they went the way of the dogwoods in that we're getting just a few degrees too warm for them. We were at the bottom of their um, zone anyway. And now one or two degrees is pushing that zone higher up. That's my anecdotal opinion. Well, it's funny because they'll still survive here and still do well, but many of them don't do well. So as soon as we come out here and say you can't grow red buds in Hernando County, I'm gonna have people blowing up my email inbox saying, you know, well, I can. And I mean, we even have two at the nursery. They'll look fine. But I know that a number of them die every summer. And it's during the summer when I get the emails and phone calls and pictures. So they can be difficult to grow. So we don't like not recommend them, but we caution people you can plant it correctly you can put it in the correct spot in your yard you can have everything else correct and it may not be successful long term and dogwoods we are at the very edge of dogwood world and there is a native species of dogwoods and i'm sure there's floridana. Some it should grow should grow in florida it's floridana <laughs> yeah I, i'm sure there's a few in the woods but boy everybody i know who deliberately buys and plants and tries to grow a dogwood that never works out well, it seems like. And you think you're seeing them in the spring, but what in the woods, but what you're at probably seeing is the Chickasaw plum. That's yeah, the Chickasaw plums and Walther's viburnum. Mm-hmm. They both get little white flowers. So when you're driving down the highway, the things alongside of the highway that are flowering are going to be those two. Yeah. And what I also um, saw in that cabin, something I want to. Well, when I have time to repeat, is in her woods, she created like a room out of just one old piece of um, picket fence and then used like shrubs and trees around the rest and has a little table and chairs in there and a hammock and everything. And so I've been thinking how I can do that in my wooded lot. And I thought I could line it out with uh, beautyberry bushes (laughs) and make it like a little room to go in in the winter. It won't have any leaves or anything, but it still be a cool, you know, to go in there. I'm not sure about the hammock, but it being Florida, it might get icky quickly. <laughs> but I could have a bench and a table and chairs. It's something just kind of cool to think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's a yeah, I see one pretty much last question here from Cindy. She said her neighbor has a rash and the doctor said it could be from her palm tree. She was trimming it. It's a short one with three trunks. Have you ever heard of getting a rash from palm trees? That's probably, if it's one of the short ones with three trunks, probably um, a Robolini palm. And, you know, technically, Robolini palms don't get three trunks. What that is is they take three Robolini palm plants when they're little, stick them in a pot, stick them right up next to each other, and when they grow, they grow as one clump. I don't, I mean, years ago, they figured, this looks great. It's a small palm. Let's, if we put just one in, it's going to look kind of lonely. Let's jam three together and sell it that way. And And they freeze every year up here. Yeah. 
they get a lot of cold damage here in Hernando County and further north of here, but I think Cindy's in Pinellas. So it sh they should do fine in Pinellas. Um, I've never heard of that, but you know, different people have different sensitivities to different plants and things growing outside. And I know this because I have a Robolini, they have sharp thorns. And, and whenever you're dealing with a palm, whether it's a Robolini or trimming a palm tree, where it has either Washingtonias with the sharp teeth or um, Sylvester palms with the really long spikes or um, Robolini palms, which have surprisingly long needle-like thorns on them. If you get poked by them, those thorns are just sitting outside. They're getting rained on. Insects are pooping on them. There's all kinds of bacteria and other stuff on them. So if you get poked by them, you could get an infection. So you want to be careful, wear gloves, be very careful, wear protective equipment. If you're ever trimming palm trees and the leaves have spikes and you're up there with a pole saw or whatever, technically you're supposed to wear a hard hat because you don't want one of them to fall down and poke you in the head. People can and do get nasty infections for that. So we don't generally give out medical information, but yes. just for a health and safety tip for today, be very, very careful trimming palms if they have spikes or thorns on them. They could be dirty. So keep that in mind if you start getting poked by them. And if you get, a, and I've, I've never had a rash from a palm tree, but I'm sure that it's possible. It's a possibility. Sure. Or it could have been something growing on the palm tree. You know, you just don't know. Sure. Or like Buddy says, they, they just have an allergy to it. Some people have allergies to a lot more things out in the garden. Ooh, Fortunately, nice I, cool? I don't. Is it nice and cool in Tallahassee today, buddy? I bet it is because it's great here. <laughs> it's probably pouring rain up there now, heading yeah, this way. So we had some rain already this morning. Be careful out there, Cindy mentioned. Um, yes, we're getting tornado warnings. Our phones go off. Um, Cool and raining. <laughs> um, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> Just um, a wa uh, watch means the conditions exist wherein a tornado could happen. A warning means there's one in your area. So that's that's a big difference, too. And just um, you don't have a cellar to run to, but find the most internal room, you know, with uh, no windows maybe inside a bathtub, something like that, if you are really concerned one is um, near you. You don't live a train and hear, hear, live near a train and hear a train, <laughs> go ahead and seek cover. <laughs> yes. yes, be careful out there today and wherever you live, keep an eye on the weather and the warnings and alerts. And we will both be back here again next Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Wednesday coming up, I have a class. Um, I don't know if you want to join me or not. I don't know if we talked about it. Is this, I'm, I'm revealing your volunteers' uh, secrets. It's called Master Gardener Secrets Revealed. <laughs> so next yeah. next Wednesday, I am in Sumter County all day long. That's why I was doing yes. it all by myself. That's why, <laughs> but I can do it because I've known those gardeners for over 20 years. 
so I know a lot of their secrets. So join me 10 o'clock um, Wednesday. And the, the link is on my Facebook page for Master Gardener Secrets Revealed. <laughs> or if you go to the little thing that keeps scrolling down at the very bottom there, HernandoExtension.com, that's where you can find a full listing of all of my classes, all of Lily's classes, all of our combination classes, and everybody else at the office, all the different things that they're doing with links, information, how to join in, everything else. And then if you miss one of those classes, if you follow us on Facebook or shoot us an email, we almost always record pretty much everything, and it's out there somewhere. It may be on Facebook. It may be on our county's YouTube. It might be on my YouTube. There's no telling where it is, but it's somewhere. All and of my classes find... are on Hernando County Government YouTube. Yes. If you um, just do a search for that. They don't have a friendly URL to like give you, so just no, Google no. Hernando County Government YouTube. And now they've got other stuff. How dare they? So my playlist is not like on the first thing you see. So you're going to have to seek it out. <laughs> Florida Friendly Landscaping um, playlist. So. Okay. Well, hey, everybody. You guys have a great day and stay safe. And Lee, you have a great weekend also. And, and we will be back here again next Thursday at 10 a.m. And until then... You guys take care. We'll see you later. All right. Thank you.